0: What the Lord has led me to share uh, is a very personal word uh, to me, and it's something that honestly, and I'm just going to be truthful, that I resisted sharing this word at first. I-, I thought that this was something that was only for me; it wouldn't be for anybody else. So um, I actually spoke not too long ago, and I preached something different. And I had felt the Lord was leading me on that word, and then it wasn't long after that I got another opportunity to speak and. It's like the lights just kept going off in my heart and the Holy Spirit would not release me from this word till I spoke it. Uh, So this is something very, very dear to me. And it came to me uh, while I was going through a season of transition in my life. And it's funny how seasons change. Some change happens very suddenly, like a graduation celebration that you go to. As soon as the graduates toss their hats, you feel it in the atmosphere. Something has shifted. Same thing with maybe bringing in a new year. It could be something even a little more tragic where uh, someone we love has gone on to be with the Lord, has passed on, and we just feel that, that change happen very suddenly. But other transitions happen very gradually. You slowly begin to come to the realization, for example, that you are getting older. I remember I remember that day. I woke up in the morning and everything hurt. And I I like I was like, Man, do I got the flu? Is this like COVID or something? No, I was just getting old. I was like, now now I just talked to all my friends about my aches and my pains and if if teenagers it gets worse somebody said over so it gets worse teenagers if i could lay in bed till noon and it not hurt i probably would but there's no point i remember pastor smith gave me some great advice he's like do you know why seasoned people get up early in the morning it's because there's a cup of coffee brewing somewhere oh, that's great advice it helps you get up in the morning I knew I was entering this season uh, by the phrases I would use. I would catch you, you know, you catch yourself saying things. And this truth, I said this the other day. I said, uh, why don't they just live a little? Live a little life. Then they can tell me what to do. You ever said that before? Okay, if you said that before, you might be entering into that season part of life. If you say the word listen before everything, listen, little boy. Listen, little girl. Listen, young person. You're probably beginning to move into that that faith. I'm to this midlife crisis thing is real, y'all. I'm just like hitting it. It's it's like a brick wall, and it may not even be um, what you say. It's what people say to you. People say a lot. Jared, are you limping? <laughs> yeah, I'm limping. I mean, I'm just walking, but I guess I'm limping. I don't know. It just that's what that's what I do now. I guess. Um, I remember. I was having a very serious talk with one of my children. I've got a 9-year-old and a 6-year-old. I was really giving them this life lesson talk. And I was leaning in and I could tell they were leaning into the talk, making real good eye contact, which is rare. And, and I just lay, I was laying I was okay. I finished my talk. I was like, "Did you get all that?" And they just looked back up at me and I said, "Why are your teeth so yellow?" Yeah, I was like, because I'm a pirate. Now walk the plank, youngin. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But seriously, our lives go through seasons of change. And I experienced this season of change. It was a little over a year ago. I had found that things that I used to be very passionate about had changed. And one of those things that had changed in my life was my passion for leadership. And let me explain. If there was a leadership podcast or a book, I was all over it. I invested a lot of time learning all I could about leadership and how to be a better leader. And you can ask the team here. They would joke about different books and just say, ask Jared. I'm sure he's read it already. But I found that in this new season that I was in, my passion for for learning more about leadership had dwindled. And I felt very just indifferent towards the idea of even being a leader. And I know that sounds bad because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to care a lot about leading. But can I just be real with y'all today? Is that okay? I know y'all would probably like that. I remember driving in my car. I was on my way to church. I was stopped at a red light right there at 70 and 109. And I was kind of confused and frustrated. So I just asked the Lord. I just prayed. And I asked him point blank, why has my passion for leadership faded? What is wrong with me? There's got to be something wrong with me, Lord. I don't know why. And I remember hearing his voice very specifically. And it wasn't audible, but it was so distinct in my heart that I could, I could phrase it out what he said. And he said, son, you have focused a lot on being a better leader. But right now, I need you to focus on being a better follower. follower. Hmm. A follower. Really, God, a follower? But that word has shaped the past year of my life. It really has. And it's hard to admit, but many of us would probably resist the idea that we need to learn how to be a better follower. And, and why? Because we believe following doesn't require a lot of brain power. Dogs follow, right? Or they sometimes they do lead. But, but what's there to learn about following? People that don't know things follow people that know things. And I always wanted to be the person who knew things, not the person who didn't know things. And we we gauge our importance, and it's often gauged by how many followers you have online. Nobody cares how many people you're following online. They don't care. All they care about is how many followers you have. We've been conditioned to believe that important people lead and unimportant people follow. If you want to achieve success, climb that ladder. Leading other people equals success. If you want to stay unimportant, then sit there in the lowest seat and follow. But when I began to really study this in the Bible, the word follow and following and its different forms is actually mentioned three times as much as the word lead, leading, and its different forms. And so I'm going to make a very bold statement today. Learning to lead is important, but learning to follow is more important. How you follow will shape your God-given purpose more than how you lead. And I know it's a bold statement. But today, I'd like to give you a few lessons that I have learned over the past year about following. These are very personal things. These are things that I have walked out and experienced over the past year of my life. That's why I kind of resisted it, because I'm like, Lord, I'm going to just lay it all out there. They're going to know I struggled with some of these things, but it's okay. This is what the Lord said to share, so I hope and pray that it will stir your heart, just like it stirred mine, and we can become better followers of Jesus today. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the opportunity just to share your word. And Lord, I pray you would do what I cannot do. God, I can't change hearts and change lives, but you can. I can't restore the lost and broken, but Holy Spirit, you can. So I ask you to move on our hearts today. Stir us in the right direction. Walls that need to come down, I pray you would break them down. And Father, just uh, guide us all through this process as we learn to follow better. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So here we go. Here is the first lesson on following. Good followers surrender to God's process. Good followers surrender to God's process. We're going to read in John chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. And this is after Jesus has resurrected, he's appeared to his disciples. And he's talking to Peter. And he says, Peter, listen. When you were younger, you made your own choices and you went where you pleased. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will, be, and you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. This is such a unique interaction between Jesus and Peter. This is after the resurrection. He's appeared to a few of the other disciples and he specifically is coming to Peter this time and I believe it's been to restore him. Peter had denied Jesus three times and Jesus in the previous verses that we didn't read, he asked Peter three times if he loved him and if he did then he should feed his sheep. It was exactly what Peter needed to hear to bring that restoration and Jesus caps it all off by telling Peter the process he has laid out for him and how does Peter respond what's his immediate response to Jesus prophesying and laying out the process for Peter let's read it says then Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them This was the disciple who sat close to Jesus at the Last Supper and then asked him, Lord, who is the one that will betray you? And this is most likely John we're talking about. So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, What's going to happen to him? Peter's just been given this word from Jesus. He's been told specifics about the process, even what's going to happen in his future. And how does Peter digest that? What about him? And here's what Jesus says back to Peter. Jesus replied, if I decide to let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? You must still keep on following me. Peter really helps us see how difficult it can be to surrender to God's process. That last verse, Jesus gives Peter some advice. Mind your own stuff. Focus and keep on following me. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, mind your stuff. Some of y'all were a little aggressive about that. I don't know. That was, I wasn't it was supposed to be funny, not that I grew up just, I'm just kidding. Surrendering to God's process means staying focused and minding your stuff. It's easy to get distracted, isn't it? So many things are out there trying to pull us off of God's process for us. And if you're a new follower of Jesus, you have recently come to the faith. You've recently, uh, you may have just come back to church. Maybe you were raised in church and you're like, you know, I need to get back in church. So you're coming back. There are so many things out there. And, And your friends that you've made, maybe they're beginning to distance themselves from you. Your family's confused about all your your new life and your choices this whole Sunday going to church thing. Can I give you an encouraging word today? Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. It seems that everyone is leaving you behind, but you are in God's process now. But what if God's process, the steps he's laid out for us, doesn't look the way we think it should? Look at these verses in Isaiah chapter 55. This is the Lord speaking to us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Peter had some questions about God's process, too. There was a reason he turned and looked at John. It could be he was genuinely concerned for John. Maybe. Or maybe he was too focused on John's social media feed. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Peter, we might be too focused on someone else's success or failures. It's easy to do with our, our instant access to coveting what somebody else has. Did I, man, I need to sprinkle a little sugar on that, I think. I, was, I might have been a little too harsh, I don't know. Our instant access to looking at what all of our friends have. Where they're at today? Oh wow! Look at where they're at, man. They're traveling around the world, and I just want to travel. And man, look at all that that house they've got. Man, I just I want to get that. How can I have that? How can I have that? Man, look at their family. Look at that. Oh, I just want to have it all together like that. Can I be? I'm gonna be real again. I have shared meals with people that have a lot of followers, and it ain't all cracked up like you think it is. I've seen the struggle behind the scenes. But if we take an honest look at this word that Jesus gives to Peter, it wasn't exactly a bed of roses. I'm sure it was hard for Peter to digest this. Jesus wasn't telling Peter, Peter, you're gonna have a mega church. You're gonna have 50 campuses, Peter. Not only that, but you're gonna be a successful Christian author. You're gonna go on a book tour, Peter. Just wait, it's gonna be amazing. No, Jesus was saying, Whatever retirement plan you got, Peter, you're going to need to trade it in for suffering. Jesus basically said, the awful suffering that I just faced, so brutal that you wouldn't even show up for, you're going to face it too. Now follow me. Mm, That's a little harder to swallow, isn't it? When we surrender to God's process, though, we no longer call the shots. We often in church talk about our calling. Well, I'm not really called to do that. So, or I'm still waiting on my calling. I'm sure Peter could have said, Lord, I'm not sure my calling is to be literally crucified like you. But at the end of his life, what did Peter do? Peter walked out the process of... God had chosen for him. As many of the mistakes that we see Peter making, the word, man, I am probably more thankful for Peter and his example. Because at the end of his life, he walked it out so well. In fact, he felt so unworthy of that process that he requested to be crucified upside down. That was Peter. If you're unsure of your calling today, can I tell you what it is? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Don't don't worry about all this others. But what if I was supposed to do something more important than what I'm doing right now? Follow Jesus. What if no one sees me? What if I only have two followers online, my mom and my dog? Follow Jesus. My friends are leaving me. My family is shunning me. They left and shunned him too. Keep on following Jesus. Good followers surrender to God's process. The second lesson that I have learned over the past year about becoming a better follower is that good followers embrace a teachable spirit. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. We most likely believe this is Paul uh, writing the church. We don't know that for a fact, but here's what it says. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Looks like It sounds like a wife having to talk with her husband for a second there, doesn't it? They're at the marriage retreat. you being dull and you don't listen, okay? Basically, I'd like to tell you more, but you won't listen. Who in here likes to be told they're doing something wrong? Honest moment, I hate it. I really do. I really hate it. I don't even like it when someone knows more about something than I do. I really don't. You ever met a one-upper before? Y'all know what that is? I know nobody in here is like that. Nobody here is a one-upper. But when you're talking to a one-upper, all they can do is talk about something bigger and better that they've done Right, you left like feeling like, I thought I'd be more excited to share that. I just feel deflated. It's because they one-upped you. You've been one-upped. But good followers don't just pretend to know or understand something. They admit that they don't. They ask questions, and they seek to understand something. Being teachable, though, is almost seen as a weakness today. If I admit I don't know, then I'll, I'll be seen as weak. The dictionary definition of teachable is willing to be taught, But to be teachable is more than studying for a test or just paying attention in a classroom. It's being humble. It's being willing and moldable in all situations, even in the seemingly mundane situations. You can learn something from anybody. You truly can. Good followers are teachable. They take time to accept godly counsel. They don't run by themselves, but they submit to spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is a building block of God's kingdom. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. These gifts are mentioned in the Word. I'm going to be be real again. These aren't just ministry gifts. These are actually offices in the church that Christ has established to help lead his body. These aren't just accolades or achievement awards. I passed a test. Now you can call me an apostle, so-and-so. That's not how these things work. That's not how it was meant to be. We only make it harder on ourselves when we resist spiritual authority. And I don't have a whole lot of time to explain spiritual authority, and I know it's a it's a deep topic. But if we aren't teachable, the opposite of that is stubborn, obstinate, and unmanageable. One thing in our culture today that has become just so in your face is witchcraft. It is so prevalent, it's almost become like the new trend. And Pastor has preached on it some. It's helped us as a church become more aware of it, and I'm thankful for that. It's hard to imagine as a Christian, okay? We're not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on the world for being the world, all right? It's hard to imagine, though, as a Christian, something worse than you practicing witchcraft. But did you know there actually is something worse than you practicing witchcraft? Look at these verses in 1 Samuel 15. This is from the message translation. It says, Then Samuel said, Do you think all God wants are sacrifices? empty rituals just for show he wants you to listen to him plain listening is the thing not staging a lavish religious production not doing what god tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult getting self-important around god is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors what's worse than practicing witchcraft pride i know That's a hard one to swallow. There are certain things that are going to open doors in your life for spiritual strongholds. They're like the welcome mat. It's turning the welcome sign on to your heart, and it's pride. It's the reason Satan was cast out of heaven. Pride is the vehicle that he wants to use to gain a foothold in your life. I've seen close friendships just torn apart by pride. People's destinies thrown so far off track. We've got to cut pride off at the root. And how can we do that? By embracing a teachable spirit. Being teachable, though, it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean that we submit ourselves to abuse or manipulation. I want to be clear about that. I remember one time, this was years ago, I mean, man, I guess it was 19 years ago, I was youth pastoring at a small church down in Lewisburg, Tennessee, and I'd stopped at the Walmart there before I met my wife. I was single, um, and there was a street preacher there. He was preaching, and nobody was listening to him, but I, I kind of heard him, and I started, you know, standing there just listening to for a minute. Of course, if you've never been in a situation like that, as soon as they know someone's listening, they just lock in. He just, like, locked in with me, and me and him got to talking, and he told me, he said, you know, son, you... you uh have you ever read the prophecy about the 144,000 chosen ones in the book of Revelation in the end times? I thought, no, I don't think so. He's like, yeah, yeah, you might be one of those chosen ones, the 144,000 virgins in the end times. Oh, Lord, please, no. God. (laughs) Please, no, I don't want to be one of the 144,000 chosen virgins in the end time. That's not how I want to die. Lord, I really want to get married. I really do, Lord. Please don't let me be one of those chosen ones in the end times. But there's a difference between that man that I randomly met at Walmart and being involved in a local church that you have, God has led you to. You've, you've come, you've been here for a long You've built trust with those around you in submitting to spiritual authority in your life. There was no relationship between me and this man. I knew nothing about him. He knew nothing about me. And I know the church, it's got a very ugly reputation of manipulation over the thousands of years that it's been around. There is truly a lot of bad stuff out there. But, and so remember, our first authority is God himself. But embracing a teachable spirit is recognizing where God's placed us and then opening our hearts to receive. Trust those around you. If we will embrace a teachable spirit in our hearts, a receiving spirit, the wounds that we have would begin to heal. The church hurt. God could finally begin to mend that. I I experienced that. That's why God led me here, Pastor. I thought I was coming to, to just like learn all about spiritual gifts, and I was pumped about it. I was raised real, real conservative Baptist. Uh, and so I was like, oh, man, I was really curious about spiritual gifts. But the very first sermon series you were preaching was on grace, God's grace. And God restored my heart. And I, I began to trust and open up. And I, God healed the church hurt that I had in my life through that through that series. I, I've met people that, and I've done it too, we live in a cycle of repeat. You get so far in a relationship or even a relationship at a church You start coming to a church for so long, and then you implode and destroy everything around you, and you move on to the next church. And there's usually a common denominator there. It's hurt and pride, a refusal to address what's causing that behavior. But if we would embrace that teachable spirit, God could begin the healing process in our lives. I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult. That's why I use this word embrace. we got to choose a teachable spirit. You've got to pull it close. It's got to become who you are on a daily basis. So the first thing, remember that good followers surrender to God's process. And then good followers embrace a teachable spirit. And the third thing is good followers practice love. It is marriage retreat weekend, Right? Look at John chapter 13. It says, So I give you now a new commandment love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. How do I demonstrate I'm a true follower of Jesus? Love. Well, what is love? Look at this familiar passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. That's a good one for social media, isn't it? Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflates its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Those are great verses to listen to when you're at a wedding. And everyone starts, a little tear comes down their eyes they're reading that chapter at a wedding. And you're looking up there and you're thinking about them. Try reading that chapter on your way home today. Well, not while you're driving, but, you know, maybe turn on the Bible app, listen to it. And that person ticks you off in traffic. Love is not easily irritated. It's a little bit harder to read that chapter and apply it to our lives on a daily basis. Love is not easily offended. We could use a little more of that that love thing in church today, not easily offended. Love is the key to success, the uh, success of a good follower. Love assumes the best in someone. Love doesn't approach like, oh, oh, I, can't, you know, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know about them. Love assumes the best. Even when mistakes are made, love can overlook a fault. I have made plenty of mistakes as a leader and as a follower. I have said the wrong things. You don't have to get up, I'm a, and here's the, if you want to get up here on stage and speak, you don't got to go, get up here more than 10 seconds before you say something you regret saying. Man, I wish I wouldn't have said it like that. I mean, that's just the truth. That's the advice I give everybody. Like, just just wait. It's going to come. You're going to say something. I've said the wrong things. I have, sometimes I have given bad advice to people. I've had good intentions. I've set up meetings planning to help them, but instead I made things worse. But I am thankful those who truly loved me, loved me with the love of Christ. They didn't just leave offended with me. They practiced the two-way street of communication. Y'all know what that is, right? Two-way street. You're receiving what they have to say, and they're receiving what you have to say. You're chewing on it. You're digesting it. You're talking things out. You're not just leaving the conversation. If you've ever been in a one-way street conversation with someone, they just plow you over. They don't care what you have to say. They're not going to hear it, and they're gone. But love practices that two-way street of communication, overlooking faults and, and being patient. As a good follower, I want to be quick to forgive. Lord, help me. Help me to be quick to forgive, quick to believe the best for others. Celeste, you can go ahead and come on up. Are we ready to be a better follower today? You know what follower means in the Bible, right? Disciple. That's what that word means. Disciple means to be a follower of Jesus. And here's the great thing. Maybe today you're you're like, I have focused a lot on being a better leader. I really lead people and I need to become a better leader. Those who practice and learn how to follow by default become better leaders they truly do look at this in mark chapter 10 verse 43 but among you it will be different this is jesus's leadership talk for us today whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else the kingdom of god does not operate the same way the world does We're not just working our way to the top and and, and jockeying for position. No, that's not how God's kingdom works. Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then you need to become a servant. You need to take the lowest seat. You need to become a better follower. So what is it that we need to talk to God about today? Would you stand with me? Maybe the Lord spoken to you today about How you've been resisting his process in your life. Maybe it's time to surrender to that process. The more we struggle, it's just like a child that's kicking and screaming. They are going to go in that car. Whether they want to go in that car, they're going to go. Kicking and screaming just makes it harder. God's got the process. The more that you kick and scream through it, the harder it's going to be. It's time to quiet your soul and say, okay, God. God yes whatever it looks like i know i planned this just like peter wow just like peter you know peter was married we know peter was married in the bible i'm sure he had plans in that word that jesus gave him i'm i'm certain probably derailed a few of his plans but just like peter we say yes i'll surrender to the process Maybe our focus has drifted off of Jesus and onto other things, trying to live up to somebody else's expectations, focusing on money or how many followers that we have. What's our focus? Does it need to be refocused on Jesus? Maybe God has called you out of addiction. You were walking down this path and it controlled you and and you made the commitment to be free from that and you've been going, but now you started drifting back off the path and you started making excuses for why you're picking it back up again. It's like, well, it's not as heavy as it was and and now you're, you're picking those things up. Stay committed, stay focused, stay surrendered to God's process. Maybe we need to embrace a teachable spirit today. We realize that we've been resistant. We've, we've been here at church, we've been sitting in the seat and then we've just been walking out the door. We've been coming But we really need to open our hearts a little bit. We've been cold. We've let our past experiences define how we receive today, but God wants to give you a new thing. He wants to breathe a breath of life into your soul and restore you and break the cycle. There's no need to keep church hopping. There's no need to keep doing that. I'm not saying that God's got you here exactly, but I'm saying God doesn't want you to live in this cycle of hurt, cycle that's stuck on repeat. You can combat that today by embracing a teachable spirit. Open your heart to receive. Maybe we need to better practice love. I think all of us could, could do that. A heart that's willing to forgive someone. And so I'm not going to have prayers come up. We're just going to pray at our seats today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, say, you know, I need to surrender to God's process. Uh, Would you just raise your hand? I'm not really. There we go. Yeah, I see some hands going up. Say, I need to surrender to God's process. I've been struggling against it. If you're here today, say, I need to embrace a teachable spirit. I've been kind of cold to it. I haven't received all. I need to open my heart to the Lord. Would you just lift your hand today? That's a huge step for you. Yeah, I see those hands. That's a huge step, lifting your hand today, saying that I'm going to embrace what you have for me, God. I'm going to be more teachable. I'm going to let go of pride. If you let go of pride, strongholds will crumble. They will crumble down. If you're here today, you say, I need to practice love. I need to better practice love, not just with my family, but with everyone around me. I'm tired of being mean. I don't want to be known as someone mean and bitter. Would you just lift up your hand and say, I need to practice love. Amen. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. And I want you, as as I'm praying, I want you to talk to God. You have direct access to the Father through Jesus. You do. You don't have to have me pray for you. You can talk to him today all by yourself. So I want you to talk to God. Give him whatever it is as I I just lead us in a prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this word, Lord. God, for those today that need to surrender to the process right now, as they are praying to you, as they're giving it to you, they say yes, Lord, to whatever process. I pray you'd give them the strength that they need to surrender, the strength they need to let go of whatever's keeping them back and keeping them bound. And surrender to your process. It didn't look the way they planned. Life has not turned out the way they thought it would. But, Lord, today they say yes. They say yes. And, Lord, to those who need to let go of pride and embrace that teachable spirit, God, right now they're opening their hearts. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move in its place. Move in their hearts today. God, they're letting go of pride and they're saying, okay, God, I'll be vulnerable with you. I'll be vulnerable and trust you that you've led me here, that I'm supposed to be here. And my heart is open to you today, Jesus. God, and those of us that we we all need to practice love more. Jesus, we cannot do these things without you. God, I can't do these things without you. So Holy Spirit, we ask for your empowerment over our lives. Ask him to empower you today to love. Lord, empower me to love today. Help me to practice this out, to let go of just what I want and serve others. taking on the form of a servant, Lord. We thank you for it today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We are so blessed to hear from Pastor Jared today, and it's our prayer that you can take today's message and apply it to your life as we continue to learn to follow. Did you decide to accept Christ and to follow him? Your GC family is excited for all that God is doing, and we would love to walk alongside you. Let us know by sending us a message online at gcchurch.tv or text JESUS to 615-488-7151 to continue in your next. We can express to you each and every week how grateful we are to partner with each of you to reach the lost, make disciples, and meet needs. And we want to say thank you for your prayers, offering, and tithes. You can give today by texting the word GIVE to the number below. Wednesday evening Bible study with Pastor Barry begins this week, February the 21st at 630, as we continue to journey through the book of John. We hope to see you at our Donaldson or our Lebanon campuses. Have a blessed week and shine the love and light of God. And remember one last thing, God loves you and so does GC Church.